So what do you do? What do you do when you find a product that is just truly amazing? I mean, you find something that is, is, is life-changing. Don't, don't you share that with someone? Maybe you find, I mean, but the only thing we may not find, we may not share with a friend is maybe our favorite hunting place and our favorite fishing hole, right? I mean, those places where we, we have found the most deer and, and catch the most fish, we might keep those to ourselves. But if you find some sort of product or some sort of thing that, that is truly amazing, don't you share that with someone around you? Like I said, maybe it's a, a product that makes your life better, makes things easier. You know, maybe there's just something in your world that yeah, I, I, I've, I've added this to my, to my life and things are so much better. You know, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's a, a car, maybe it's a, a computer, maybe it's a phone. Have you, have you seen my new phone? And it's reliable, it's, 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 it's affordable, and, and it's, it's, it's helped me so much. Maybe it's a, a new car. Maybe you know someone who's been having car troubles, and, and there's nothing more frustrating than having uh, vehicles that, that, that are unreliable. You know, and, and then you have to like, call Jeff all the time and saying, hey, Jeff, my car is not working the way it should. And he's like, you know. Take it, to the, take it to the shop. They'll, they'll, they'll fix it. <laughs> you, know, you take something, and, and, and there's nothing more frustrating than when a car that was reliable all of a sudden starts to break down, starts to age. And maybe it's time to get traded in and get something new. I mean, we evangelize about all sorts of things all the time. I mean, look at the logos we wear. You know, uh, uh, you know oftentimes, you know, uh, I have, uh, yeah, I, I love wearing Nike basketball shoes. I have, have, have worn them since college, and and uh, yeah, when I when I started doing running, it was it was hard for me to look at another pair of shoes other than Nikes. But I found shoes that were even more comfortable than than, than Nikes for for running. And, and when we maybe, maybe look at the clothes we wear, maybe it's you know we're sporting Under Armour, we're sporting Nike or whatever it is. With the logos we wear, we are evangelizing for other companies all the time. And. The question for us is, is what we evangelize for, is that the most important thing in our life? Is that the most important thing in our life? Because much of what we, most of our evangelistic efforts are for products. Products that that are temporary, that are not eternal, that will one day uh, go into a landfill and burn and, and be no more. Maybe they'll be recycled. Maybe they'll come back and have another life as some other product. The very same ways, the very same things we use to evangelize for all sorts of products every day of the week are the same thing, way we can evangelize for Jesus. Same way we can help others become disciples. And we, as we grow as disciples of Jesus, we ought to make disciples of Jesus, who will then go on and help make disciples of Jesus, who will then go on and make Disciples of Jesus. We, we won't just be disciples ourselves. We will be disciple makers. So a few weeks back, we looked at the Great Commission. We looked at Jesus' last command to us. And when he gave to his disciples the mission, the mission to make the disciples of all nations. And so unless you are the last person on earth who needs to accept Jesus, who needs to make Jesus their Savior, unless you're the last one, there's someone else out there for you to help make a disciple. Of Jesus. Maybe you're thinking, Mike, that intimidates me. I don't know why I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I, how would I share? Oh, what are the things I should say? Am I going to mess up? Am I going to do uh, the wrong thing? Maybe you feel completely unprepared 
or unsure you're up to the task. But I believe, I believe that God wants us all to make disciples of those around us. I believe it's, it's God's desire, it's his heartbeat that he would want us to share his message, to share, share in his mission to, 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 to help make disciples of all nations. And so maybe you're wondering, why are there four chairs on the stage? And that's because I'm going to ask four of you to come up and share your life story. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> he's sitting there like, seriously? No, no, these four chairs uh, are, 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 are symbolic of, of four people. Four stages. Uh, and, and each of us have probably sat in at least a couple of these chairs. And maybe we've sat in all four of these chairs at some point in our life. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at this process going through these chairs and our growth in our process of growing as a disciple of Jesus. Without each of us seeking to make progress through these stages, it's, it'll be impossible for us to see continued healthy growth Sustained growth in our church. In fact, it will affect the health of our church if we are not making progress through these stages and helping others enter and process through these stages as well. Our continued growth individually will fuel our continued growth as a church. And if at any point we decide to stall and, st- and stop, we'll see the growth and health of our church stall and stop as well. It's not one of us. It's all of us. It's not one of us. It's not, it's not, it's not one of us going through all this. It's all of us making these going through this process because it's up to all of us to take part in the mission that God has for us. So I've been excited about uh, this series as we're going to look at systematically how we can engage in opportunities to evangelize and disciple those around us, our friends, our families, our neighbors, our colleagues, and help us use the influence we have in those closest to us to help others connect with Jesus and join him in their journey, in his journey. Help us to lead others to take their next step in, in faith. And maybe, just maybe, we would take our next step as well. So if you would turn with me to John chapter one, John chapter one, we're gonna look at verses 35 to 42 this morning. This is obviously very early in Jesus's ministry. In fact, he uh, has likely uh, just been baptized by John. He's gone into the wilderness for 40 days, fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, and been tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And as he comes back, he begins to, uh, begins the, the start, begins to engage in ministry. And as he does so, he is uh, uh, kind of in his hometown, his home area up around Galilee. And as they, he, he's around there, he is uh, just coming on the scene. And as he's coming on the scene, John the Baptist, his cousin, his role, his purpose was to come before Jesus and pave the way and, and make way for Jesus to come. And so as, as Jesus' fame, as his notoriety grows, we're going to see John kind of slip into the background. 
He's going to pass the baton to Jesus and kind of fade into, into, into black. And, and, but his job is to, to lift him up and to get everybody ready for that time when Jesus comes on the scene. And we're going to begin to see some of that transition in the text today. So if you would, uh, in John chapter 1, uh, th- this is what uh, John writes for us. The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was, was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and he said, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, uh, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and and followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. We see this. This interesting kind of uh, exchange. Uh, you, you, been, in, in that day and time, uh, rabbis, teachers, uh, uh, leaders uh, would, would, would gather around them disciples and followers. And, and it was kind of their job to, to gather these disciples around them and, and build them up. They, 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 they want to often want to gain disciples and not pass them off. But here we see something completely uh, different with John. John, as he is bringing them together, he is sending them out. And it's interesting because in, to, to be a, a follower of someone, it wasn't just to be an adherent. It wasn't just to read the things they said. It wasn't just to hear their teachings. It was often literally to follow in their footsteps. It was thought that as disciples would follow their teachers, they wanted to be covered in the dust of their rabbi. So they wanted to be so close as he walked along because they didn't have uh, uh, concrete sidewalks. They didn't have uh, asphalt roads or or paved roads to walk on. They didn't have uh, uh, gravel to walk on. They walked on dirty, dusty streets. And so they wanted to walk as close as they could to their teacher. That the dust coming up from his feet would be on their clothes, which sounds completely foreign to us, right? You know, we're this sterile culture. We want to you know, be as clean and and, and germ-free as possible. It's like, oh, to be covered in dirt. Oh my goodness. But they wanted to be like pig pen, a pig pen for Jesus, right? They want to be covered in the dust of their rabbi. And so they followed him wherever they went. And John comes along and he says, hey, look, the Lamb of God, the one I've been telling you about, there he is. And they go and they follow him. As they follow him, they, 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 they go and they, they're walking behind him. And later we, like, so we, hear, we, we learn that one of them is Andrew. And then there, this area around the Jordan called Bethany. And there, Lamb of God, we, we've, we've heard that. We've seen that. We're going to go and we're going to follow after him. And they, they're walking. And, and, and as they're walking, have you ever felt like you've been, you're, you're being followed? Maybe it's by a child. Maybe it's by someone. Maybe you're driving. You're going, that car has been behind me for an awfully long time. Don't you love it when like a, a police officer slides in behind you and you're going, did I do anything? Did I do something wrong? Was I going too fast back there? I feel like I'm going the right speed. Are my, are all my lights working? Are my tags up to date? You're, you're, all of these things begin to panic and then he pulls off and right. 
So they go, there's, there's the Lamb of God, and they, they begin to follow after Jesus, and, and, and Jesus kind of feels them behind, you can almost feel like Jesus may be feeling them behind him, and he turns around and says, hey, well, what, what do you want? What do you want? And the real question that they're asking is not, that he's asking is not, what do you want, but who do you seek? Because the real disciple isn't seeking after a thing, but a person. We don't seek after an item, we don't seek after, after an object, but, but someone. And you can tell that they were thrown, they were thrown by the question. They weren't quite ready because the best they could come up with is, where are you staying? And you could almost see them like Jesus will say, hey, come and see, right? Hey, come and see. And, and you can almost see like Andrew and whoever he, he's with, like they like punch each other in the shoulder like, is that the best you can come up with? This is the Messiah. And you're like, where are you staying? <laughs> where, are you, where, are you, where, where, where are you living right now? Can I see your house? You know, which to us also sounds kind of awkward, right? You know, we, hey, we just met. I don't know if I want to show you the place where I live. I don't know if I want to show you the, the, where, where I'm staying. But Jesus says, come and see. Culturally, they, 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 it, would, it, it would have been uh, impolite for him to turn away uh, uh, this opportunity for hospitality. Like, hey, come and see. Come and see where I'm staying. And, and we come along, and, and John gives us this, in, uh, this interesting tidbit of information. He says that it was four in the afternoon. And so it leads us to believe that this is Andrew and John who've been following John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, hey, there's the Lamb of God. And so Andrew and John go and follow Jesus. And it's interesting because how would John know the time of day? Maybe your uh, scriptures say about the 10th hour, and that's counting from sunrise. Sunrise was, they, they, they generally gauged about six o'clock in the morning. And so uh, they, they, they would count from, sun, you know, some uh, cultures, they would count from sunrise. And so it was about the 10th hour. We, we would call that about four in the afternoon. And how would John know? How would John know when it was if he wasn't there? He, the first time he remembered meeting the Messiah. And they spent the rest of the day with him. They spent the rest of the day uh, walking with him and talking with him, finding out where he was staying. And, and, and in that culture, it would have been uh, impolite to send them on the way to head home in the dark. You know, oftentimes we'll invite people over for dinner and they'll stay for a while. We'll have, we'll have dinner, we'll have dessert, and it'll be dark. And we have no problem sending people home because they have cars with headlights on them, right? But back then, they, they might have had a, a lantern or some sort of torch or some sort of candle, but it wasn't very bright. And, and oftentimes bad, bad company would hang out at night and you would be uh, uh, marked as prey for any kind of thief or robber or, 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 or hooligan to come and beat you up and take your things. And so it was impolite to send someone home after dark. And so maybe they might even stay the night with Jesus. They may even stay with him. Depending on how close they lived, depending on how far they had to travel, they likely had dinner with him and, and stayed the night. Can I mention this here? You're like, sure. <laughs> I want to be like Andrew. I want to be like Andrew. Because whenever you see Andrew in scripture, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. Here. He, maybe he spends the night with Jesus and, 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 and they've had dinner. They've, they spend the night, maybe they had some breakfast and they leave the next morning and says, the first thing he does is he goes and he finds his brother, Peter. He, first thing he does is he goes and he finds his brother. 
Whenever you see Andrew, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. There's the being the 5,000, right? There they are. There's this huge crowd, 5,000 men, women, children, and they are all out of food. And who's the one who finds the little boy and brings the little boy with his lunch to Jesus? It's Andrew. And they're like, hey, we found this boy. He's got some loaves. He's got some bread. He's got some fish. And it's not much, but it's, it's, it's all we got. And what did Jesus do? He turned it into a feast with leftovers. Day of the triumphal entry. Jesus comes down off the Mount of Olives. There's this huge throng of people behind him as he comes into the temple area. And in that same area, there are, there are some Greeks who are in town. Maybe they're traveling through with, as merchants. Maybe they are Greeks who are interested in the Jewish religion. So they're gathering there with everyone for Passover. And they say, we would like to see Jesus. And who brings him to Jesus? Andrew and his buddy, Philip. They bring these Greeks to see Jesus. I want to be like Andrew. I want to be like Andrew. Don't you want to be like Andrew? Helping others find their way to Jesus. And here he tells his brother, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. We have found the one. The one we've been waiting for. We found him. Come and see. Come and see. And sometimes that, that phrase Messiah, that word Messiah, that, the word Christ, that doesn't mean much to us as Gentiles, as, as those who, who are living after this period. But to a first century Jew, Messiah meant everything. To, first, to, to, to those living in the first century, hearing of the Christ, the anointed one of God, meant something. It meant hope. It meant deliverance. It meant God had not forgot them, that they were not left alone. And we may not necessarily see Jesus Messiah in that same way, but he still brings hope for us. So how does that relate to these four chairs? How does that relate to these four chairs? Because these four chairs represent four people, maybe four people, you know, these four chairs represent four stages, maybe stages you've been in, maybe stages you long to grow into this first chair over here. It's a different color. It's a different size. It represents a different stage. And this is the first chair, the chair that we all started. And in this chair, we are all dead in our sin. Paul writes it this way. He says, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. What we get for our work on earth, because most of our work on earth, is, a lot of our work on earth is somehow based in sin. We're really good at sin. We don't have to be taught. How to, you don't have to teach children how to sin, right? You don't have to ever teach your children to misbehave. It's like, that's like the default setting at the beginning, right? Sometimes they just, they just don't know. And so we have to teach, we have to give them boundaries and we have to help them. We, we help give them boundaries and shape them and mold them. They, they realize this is right. This is wrong. And we live a lot of our life doing wrong things. And if we never meet Jesus, we are dead in our sins. What we get for our sin is death, spiritual death, separation from God for eternity. Apostles, for the wages of sin is death. Without the blood of Jesus applied to our life, that is what we get. But God, God is a missionary God, right? God, God first, first and foremost, he sent his son Jesus from the glories of heaven to walk among us, to walk with us, to live among us. Did he have to? 
No. But he loved us so much that he could not stand to have us lost forever from him. And so he sends his son, he sends his son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we might move from death into life. So we can be called out of that grave and into that glorious day that we can be resurrected, that his spirit is breathed into us. Because as the song said, everyone needs compassion, the kindness of a savior. Not just some of us, all of us. All of us need to know that saving grace. And so Jesus comes and he models what it means to be sent. He models what it means to follow God. He models what it means to, 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 to be a disciple maker. And so he calls 12 men to follow him, invites them, follow me, come and see. And so the first invitation we offer is to come and see. Maybe just check it out. Maybe to just understand, maybe just to to see what's going on. And Jesus models being sent. Models being available to form intentional, to, to intentionally develop relationships with those around him that he can disciple in the way of God. That's exactly what people who are far from God need. Those people in the first chair, the first thing they need is they need relationships with Christ followers. So those who we see who do not have a relationship with Jesus, those who who may not be in church today, those who may not uh, believe in God today, what they need most of all is relationships with those who believe in God, who are following Jesus. They need people in their life who will readily be available to intentionally build relationships with them and help just set an example and show them what life with Jesus is like. Cause there's a lot of misconceptions out there, right? Oh, you, you're, you're this, you're that. And, and, and some of those things may be true, but some of those things are blown out of proportion. And so sometimes a real life relationship with those who are following Jesus is what they need. And we see that in the text today. John, John the Baptist goes, there's Jesus and Andrew and John go follow him. Follow after him. They, they, they spend like the whole day, the whole rest of the day with Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew does is he goes and finds his brother, Peter. He, once he is convinced, he goes to find someone else. And as I look across the room, I feel like we're all pretty convinced that Jesus is the way to God. But when was the last time that we went and shared with someone about what we're convinced about? When was the last time that we built a relationship with someone so that we could help them see and know Jesus? When was the last time we were like Andrew? Jesus had, sometimes we, 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 we miss that portion and the, the gospels don't give us a whole lot of picture into Jesus' growing up years. We see when he was born, we see when he goes to the temple, we see him about age 13, and then all of a sudden like fast forward we fast forward through adolescence. We fast forward through his, his, his 20s. And all of a sudden, Jesus pops back on the scene somewhere around the age 30. He goes to John. He's baptized. He goes in the wilderness. He's tempted. He comes back out. And here we have Jesus. 30 years of his life, he was spent preparing himself to live and serve among the Jewish people. Like, well, Mike, duh, he was Jewish. And that is true. But sometimes we need to be reminded that he actually grew up among them. And so he knew what their needs were. And so people in the, as we reach out to our friends who are sitting in the first chair, we need to prepare ourselves because the world we are living in 
is different than maybe the world we grew up in. And the people around us may have different needs and desires and wants. The things that are bothering them, we may have no clue about. And so we need to do a little study. We need to figure some things out. Yeah, it's like, what are the needs and hurts and wants of those around us? And maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's, maybe it's financial hardship. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, they, they, they're having a hard time keeping or, or sustaining a job. Or maybe they're having a hard time make, keeping, helping ends meet. Uh, maybe they're having relationship issues. Maybe, well, what is it that is, that, that is uh, affecting their life? Maybe they used to go to church and maybe they were burned by religion. And the very things that they were burned about, we probably would disagree with too but we're all lumped together in the whole same pot. And they go, well, I tried religion before and didn't quite work. And so thanks, but no thanks. Well, I just mean a, a no just becomes a yes to a different question. So we need to figure out what that question is that they are looking for. What is it? What is it that they desire? What is it that they want? What is it they need? Because at the end of the day, all those things will eventually find themselves manifested in Jesus somehow. And sometimes we just, we, we make Jesus the easy answer. But sometimes that step from death to life is a big step. And sometimes it's a hidden step. And sometimes we're not quite sure what it's going to take. But if we prepare ourselves enough, we listen, if we look, if we study, if we pray, it'll be revealed. We don't have to save people. That is not our job. Scripture says it is God who saves. We just have to be there. Say, come and see. To offer a hand, to offer direction. See, the other thing people in the first chair need, they need disciples who can present the gospel of Jesus in a clear and understandable way. They need to be able to, we need to be able to share with them in a simple way. What Jesus did for us, he's done for them. How can they they accept that for themselves? Sometimes we complicate this step. Sometimes we make it harder than it needs to be. Sometimes we don't listen. And so what we're sharing completely misses the mark. And so we need to be prepared to answer our friends and family, neighbor and colleagues questions because Hard questions doesn't mean they're obstinate. It doesn't mean they're against God. It just means they have hard questions that they'd like answers to. And God's okay with hard questions, right? I mean, look at Mary. Mary's like, how's this going to happen? You know, I've had the bird and bees conversation and it sounds like that's not how this is going to happen. And Gabriel says, God's going to do it through the Holy Spirit. Joseph hears about it. And Joseph goes, I know how that happens. And just shows up to Joseph. And what's he say? Hey, it's okay. It's not what you think it is. It's not how it happened. Go ahead and marry Mary. See, without hearing about the life that Jesus came to offer them, our friends, our neighbors, our family, they're still spiritually dead. It's like if you were ever out in the desert, Maybe you're here locally and you get bit by a rattlesnake. Don't you want the anti-venom? 
Don't you, don't, you, have a, you have a very serious problem, but there's a very available solution. Don't you want that? Maybe you come down with a virus and there's an available antivirus, antiviral medicine. You have the virus, you're going to go, no, 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 no. I'm just going to fight it out myself. Or you're going to go, hey, I'll take that medicine. That medicine is the solution to the problem I have. Our friends and family who live in the first chair, we have the solution. Are we making it available to them in a clear and understandable way? The process of moving from death to life starts with a simple invitation of come and see. Andrew shares with Peter, we're going to see next week how Philip calls Nathaniel. To come and see. We see the woman at the well. And she, will, she, she has this moment with Jesus. And what does she do? She goes back into town and she goes, come and see. Come and see the one who told me everything I've ever done. And you know, like I know, that if it was just that easy, everybody would be doing it. And every church in America would be filled. It seems like evangelism and discipleship get harder all the time. So we need to view this as a process. Not as an assembly line, because we don't all look the same at anywhere, any point along this journey, right? No, no, none of us all comes in. We, we, we don't have cookie cutter faith. We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different experiences in life, but we all go through a very similar process. So it's not an assembly line. Everybody is, is their own person. We go through our own experiences, but we are not all the same. We are And we're not all like at the end. There's a similar process that moves us from stage to stage at our own rate and at our own pace. It's interesting that we call those who who are in this chair, we say that they're spiritually dead. And sometimes if someone uh, is is in a specific medical emergency, the very thing that they need is CPR. And in offering CPR, giving CPR to someone in need can be a very scary thing. I've had to do it one time and, and help save my friend's life. And we thing is, though, oftentimes we may be quick to try to do it to someone physically, but how often do we leave people spiritually dead, spiritually dead? And what they need is spiritual CPR. See, the first thing that they need is they need is to cultivate relationships with them. And if you've done any kind of gardening, if you've done any kind of farming, you know that you have to break up the ground. You've got to do a little prep work if you want that seed to grow. If you, you don't just go out there and just start throwing garden seeds out there and all of a sudden you get a, a harvest. You've got to break it up. You've got to prepare this so that, that when the plants go in the ground, that they have the right kind of environment for them to grow in. And so likewise, we need to build relationships with those who are far from God. They may be distrusting of faith. They may be distrusting of religion. They may be trusting of others. But some, and some will feel that their life is as good just as it is, and they don't need Jesus. But through the process of cultivating a relationship with them and building a relationship with them, it gives us the opportunity to share with them the gospel when the time is right. The P stands for planting. If you've ever planted a garden, but you've never put seed in the ground, guess how many crops you get? None, right? Oh, I've got this beautiful plot. I've prepared it all, but I didn't put any seed in the ground. You're not going to get any tomatoes that way. You're just going to get a whole bunch of weeds and have to go through all that work all over again next year, right? 
No one wants to, no one likes weeding. No one goes, man, I, I have a garden so I can pull weeds. Said no one at all, right? We plant a garden because we want to enjoy beautiful flowers. We want to taste beautiful vegetables. We want to enjoy the fruit, but we, to do that, we have to plant. And there's a right time, and there's a right season, right? You don't put tomato plants in the ground outside in November because they're just going to get blasted by the winter, right? But come spring, Wayne's going to tell me how many tomato plants he planted. How many beans he planted, right? You know, Howard's going to tell me how, how good his garden is looking. Because in the spring, that's the right time to plant. You got to get them in the ground so they can get all that spring rain and spring sun and summer sun to begin to, to, to cultivate and to make those things grow. And so there's a time. And maybe you have to plant seeds for the gospel first by doing just acts of kindness, just loving on them, just being present. Just being there, just being a friend, being available. And then when the time is right, share with them about the hope that you have. And maybe they come and see. And maybe they're a harder nut to crack. Maybe they're a, they're a specific breed and it's just difficult to work with. And you got to cultivate, and you got to work, you got to work, you got to work, you got to work. But I believe if we build relationships and we plant the seed the right way, and we show God's love to them, eventually, there will become a time for the harvest where we'll be able to reap. There's got to be a time. There's got to be a time at some point when we look at them, we offer them and say, do you want a relationship with Jesus? Do you want to grow? Do you want to accept this faith? Do you want to accept the hope and grace that has been offered to you through Jesus? Just like with plants, they all come, they all reach maturity. They all come to harvest at different times. And some things take longer, some things come quicker. So knowing when to call for response requires us to have a built-in, we have to, we have to have build a good relationship with them so we know when that time is. So ultimately, our desire for evangelism must be driven by love. That if we do not love them, they'll, be able to, they'll see through that. If we do not love them, the relationship will not stick. The relationship will not grow. If we do not love our our neighbors, if we do not show them love and act lovingly to them, they will never stick around to hear our message. And so to keep with the farming analogy, it'd be like throwing our seed on hard ground. So here's my challenge for you this week. Here's my challenge for you this week. To find and pray for, and maybe even to invite one person to come and see. Maybe you've, got to do a little bit of, maybe you've got to do a little bit of that prep work first, right? Maybe they're, 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 not, ready for, they're not ready for the invitation. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going, to start, I'm going to start cultivating. I'm going to start trying to break up some of that hard ground with some acts of love, some deeds of kindness. So the time is right when I can invite them. But we're going to find that we're going to identify and, and pray for that one, that God will give you the opportunity to invite them to come and see. Maybe we'll start with some CPR. The day will come when we need to share with them the gospel and invite them to respond to make Jesus their savior. So maybe today, maybe today you are needing to, uh, uh, to accept that invitation. To, to not only to come and see, but to come and accept. To, 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 to walk in step with Jesus. To, to move from death to life have the grace of Jesus applied to your life. Maybe 
Maybe you're somewhere further along this journey. We'll get to these other chairs in the upcoming weeks. So maybe you need to take a different step of faith. Maybe yours is to grow. Maybe yours is to reach out. Maybe yours is to connect with others. Maybe yours is to think about reaching out. Help others find Jesus. Whatever decision you'd have me make today, maybe today you just maybe today you just need prayer. I'll be in the back after the service and would love to be able to connect with you and, and talk with you. Maybe you, you can talk to Mark, you can talk to David, uh, who, who's here today as well. Anyway, anyone you saw on stage, we'd love to have a conversation with you and help you take your next step of faith. Maybe maybe you're at home or or maybe you just want to kind of let us know more privately or quietly. You can use the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. And on the connection card, there's next steps, and you just check the box that is most appropriate for you and we'll follow up with you and we'll pray for you and, and, and we'll encourage you uh, along your way. As we think about where we are in this process, as we think about how we want to reach out to others, if we want to grow as disciples ourselves, who knows that an invitation to come and see just might save someone's life. And the question is, who has God put in your life for you to influence for the sake of the gospel this week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. I thank you for the life that we have in you, that, Father, you did not leave us dead and on our own, but that, Father, you reached out to us. You sent Jesus from, from heaven to earth, that, Father, we might have a way to come back home to you. That, Father, he died on the cross for us. Father, may we, as we are convinced of him as our hope, may we share with others that same conviction in a way that is loving, in a way that is kind. Father, you might use us as your vessels, as your instruments to share with others who Jesus is and how he has saved us. Father, I thank you that you saved a wretch like me. Father, might we help others find their way home to you as well. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And here's my prayer. Amen. Hey, we're glad that you've joined us here today, whether in the house or online. We hope that you have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.